0: You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Today we're discovering European chefs boycotting farm salmon, the exclusive on Travis Kelsey's childhood mealtimes, and how Supreme Court's decision on PETA and North Carolina's ag gag law. Welcome to Discover Ag, your not-so-average food podcast. I'm Natalie, a rancher and pharmacist from Nebraska. And I'm Tara, a dairy farmer and environmental scientist
1: from New Mexico. And together, we are bringing you the top stories in the ag and food space that you need to know. So welcome back, Discovering Discos. So happy for another Thursday. So this week, I have a funny story to tell you. It is a very girl-mom situation, and I'm just like curious to get your boy-mom take on this. Mm, I love a good gender battle. Here we go. We're going to battle it out right now. So (laughs) I'm currently in Dallas. Like, hello again, the traveling podcast on my side of things. I am from a hotel room in Dallas and we are at a massive water park, uh, Great Wolf Lodge. And for people who don't follow me on Instagram, about three times a year, we have to travel to Dallas for some of Annalise's like medical things um, for her doctor's appointments. And so we are here trying to make like the most of a three-day trip to doctor's appointments at the water park. So today, Guinevere and I and Annalise, we're like in the thick of the water park and we're in this like crazy where you're like climbing the ropes and like jumping from thing to thing. And I was like, girls, we're like ninja warriors. And (laughs) Guinevere looks at me and goes, can we not? Can we not be that? And I was like, okay, like, what do you want to be? I'm like, literally panic mode. I'm like, oh my
0: God, I am not cool to gen alpha. I have so many things to say. You would have been the most popular mom in the water pool park if you had said that to my boys. I don't know what it is, but all three of my boys, even Rue loves to watch like the Ninja Warrior competition shows. It's insane.
1: I, like, I died, <laughs> Natalie. I was like, oh my gosh, I am like a loser already. She's only nine and I'm already, she was like, mom, can we not? And I was like- yeah, sure, we could not. What do we want to do?
0: I just honestly can't believe you got into the water park.
1: I know. I'm not like a I don't, huge I, like, dive under the water person. But I did like the swirly-whirly loop-de-loop. I did the tube. I did the waterfall on your head thing. I did all the things. I was like trying to make the most of
0: my time. I mean, this is going to paint me in a certain picture. And I think I'm OK <laughs> with that. But I don't know the last time i ventured into a public pool. I 100% love them for my children and my husband. I just don't love them for me. They're cold and the water is full of filth and dead, dead skin cells and hair and urine, Tara. That's what you were loop de looing in. Oh, I know. And that's
1: what, honestly, on Sunday, Dan was like, Are you sure you don't want me to go with you? And I almost have. I was like, Maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe I want you to come. But then I was like, no, I've got it. Like, I can do this. I can have me and the girls and go no, to the apartment. I'm the cool mom. Yeah, I got this. I can do this. So
0: when we go back to Montana, we always stay in Rapid City. And they have a pretty big indoor water park that we'll stay at. And I always think to myself, you know, some women marry for certain reasons. And I married for the man who would swim in the public pool. Because Luke always gets in there with them. And he's going around all like you are. And I just, I'm so happy I can just stay out of the water. I also didn't know Gen Alpha was a thing. Yeah, Gen Alpha is... Bringing that to my attention. That's
1: like our littles, like the littler kids. So yeah, no idea. So it's after Gen Z. Uh, Guinevere is a Gen Alpha for sure. I'm curious if Annalise is too. I guess I've never Googled it, but I think she would I wonder be. what Rue is then. Ooh, Rue might be different. Yeah, Gen Beta. <laughs> I don't know if
0: you know how the Greek system works. Is it? Do we just starting over? I think so. I think we're just <laughs> is, starting from scratch. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> think we should maybe <laughs> double click on that and fact check you because I'm not sure I believe it, but... We'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. Somebody double check me. Somebody fact check me.
1: Okay, R- moving on from that as quickly as possible in case I'm wrong. We're going to go ahead and thank our first sponsor. Uh, we want to give a huge shout out to Case IH. So Case IH isn't just built by farmers. It's sold, supported, and serviced by them too. The men and women at your local Case K- Case IH dealerships understand what it takes to overcome the challenges of farming because they do it every day, just like you, which means they're the right people to help you find the right equipment. Visit builtbyfarmers.com to learn more. Case IH is built by farmers. And we, as always, are always in the loop with Case IH, and we are working on some fun stuff for December. So this being November, next month, we will be bringing you some new content by um, Case IH, some great interview and some new information about what they have going on.
0: I know. I loved your new case photos. They're so good.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wait till you see the rest. Those were like, I just Ooh. was like, can I? I texted the photographer. and was like, can I get a couple Teaser. Case IH photos for Dan's birthday? And she was like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, those were like... Like, oh, let's just snap a couple last minute photos. So there's some other really cool ones. There's some cool ones Ooh. with some Discover
0: Ag podcast gear. So stay tuned. Tara, bring in the heat. I'm I trying. love it. i um, step that up. Along with shouting out Case, I also want to shout out you guys, our discos. If you listened to last week's episode, you know we shared very exciting news with you about making it to the stage of South by Southwest. And I just want to say, since we've announced that, it has been really um, heartwarming, all of you guys reaching out, mostly on our social channels, and just celebrating with us. It's really fun. We talk a lot about how sometimes when you have milestones, you reach online, and this one's obviously offline, um, but your online community is like really so integral to it. And so it's been fun celebrating with you guys and exchanging messages back and forth. And so thank you for just always continuing to support us in all of our different endeavors. And uh, with that, we will jump into our first article uh, to discover this week headline: We won't serve it. Leading UK chefs join campaign to cast farm salmon off menu. Ethical concerns over sustainability and welfare have seen venues offering new choices to the ubiquitous chicken of the sea.
1: Yeah, this article—I'm not going to lie—it hits really close to home. Like, I, I'll. Admit it, I love salmon. The girls love salmon. So I feel like anytime I read anything negative about salmon, I like take pause for sure to be like, what's going on? What do I need to know? Like, should I not be feeding this to my kids? And so this one was a good one to kind of like deep dive into and really try to get like undercover of like what's
0: going on. I have the same thought. I wrote, this is kind of controversial, I think, because people love salmon. Like, it is truly the fish of the people. And so I think when you put some of that controversy around it, and take everyone's favorite beloved fish away, it's just going to cause a little bit of an uproar. I also, first off, had no idea that salmon was just not existing everywhere. I learned that salmon farming is um, predominantly in Chile, Norway, Canada, and Scotland. No idea. Had no idea. Yeah, it's definitely like a
1: colder water spot. I'm kind of that kind of surprised me. I feel like somehow I like relate Montana with salmon, which I know is wrong. Like I get, <laughs> I get that's wrong. I know that's not true. <laughs> but I just feel like Montana is by Canada. I definitely relate Canada to salmon, so I just like don't know how you don't know everything about salmon. Like I was expecting you to like bring the the salmon heat with this one. On that note, going in a very different direction. Yeah, salmon is the most widely consumed fish in the UK. It is also Britain's most valuable food export. So it's important. Like it's an important, not just by how much people are consuming it, but if you think about when people are consuming things, like how much money is involved in salmon and salmon has really like undergone a rapid transformation, which probably is because people are eating it. So we needed to produce more of it. And so we have made a massive shift from being wild caught to mostly farmed. I think it's somewhere, I want to say I read 70% of all salmon is farmed. So I guess the issue around this getting to the point is that UK chefs, especially in like, you know, Michelin star restaurants are not going to be serving salmon anymore. And it is because of environmental and welfare issues around salmon farming. There is concerns over antibiotics. There's concerns over air quotes chemicals. I hate when articles use that word because it's like I feel like when someone doesn't want to do the research, they're like, oh, I don't know. They use chemicals. And it's like such a blanket statement. And the threat to wild salmon populations. I feel like those are the real concerns. And then lack of quality as well. There was one guy who, one chef who said, I think it's such a poor product. And because of that and its effect on wild salmon, I won't serve it.
0: Yeah. The, I think the controversy around eating farm versus wild salmon is really complex. Like even trying to, you know, you said you wanted to get into like right side versus wrong side and like where you should stand um, and this even goes back to like our podcast episode we did with Valentine, um, gosh, back in the summer, episode 106 on Seaspiracy. Ooh, okay, thank you. It's just really complex. And I think you can find reports in the media, you can find them online, you know, even scientific publications, I feel like sometimes they contradict each other with I feel like almost anything these days. And so it is confusing to know, like, if you do want to get to the, you know, the bottom of this of how you should be shopping at the grocery store. It can be hard to know right from wrong because even in this article, you know, they said you quoted one of the chef's opinion. But later on at the end, they kind of came from the opposite end of the spectrum. And they quoted Salmon Scotland, which is the voice of the Scottish salmon sector. And they had a couple different things to say that were kind of the opposite, you know, and we can I want to dive into kind of each of these issues and give more information. But I just feel a fish out of water a little bit when i was investigating you know this topic
1: oh most definitely i mean we felt that way when we were discussing sea spiracy, which is why we brought on an expert to go in this and she even said like it's not that simple there are really good things about farm raised fish and there are really good things about wild caught fish and like you have to get into each of those issues so i guess the first one i mentioned was antibiotics so maybe we can start there but salmon scotland says that 95% of sea water farms did not use antibiotics in 20 20- 21. So I think it is one of those things like we see that in the poultry sector we see that we we see that in other animal protein sectors where they're like no antibiotics. And when you see that statistic that 95% aren't using antibiotics anyway, you're kind of like, okay, so maybe that is just like a headline gram- grabber and not really as much of a concern.
0: Yeah, I for sure feel like antibiotics can often be consumed through headlines in a different way than maybe is actually implemented from industry standards. And just knowing how, you know, antibiotics can be portrayed and talked about in the livestock industry when we're raising cattle, um, it does make me question some of the things like they will be talking about with when it comes to, you know, giving them to, to fish. One thing I spent a lot of time investigating was the escape. There was a lot of talk about like the intermingling of farmed and wild. And I don't know why, but I guess that kind of shocked me. Like, I didn't realize it would be so harmful to intermingle them and they would be so concerned. I also didn't know, and maybe I should have known this because I'm a Montana girl. <laughs> Sorry. Apparently, <laughs> I'm a salmon expert. But when I initially think of farmed, like aquaculture, I think of tanks and like. I guess maybe human built like growing of like the fish. I didn't realize like salmon farmed is actually out in the ocean. It's in the wild waters. And so I think that's maybe why this whole escape conversation, like I really dove into it because I just had a completely different picture painted of what like farmed salmon was than what I think it actually is.
1: Yeah. So a little bit of like history there, backstory, open pen fish farms is like what you're referring to. And they are literally like pens of like, I don't know what you would, It's like a giant net out in the ocean that has salmon in it. And what happens, you talked about the release. So basically, when there's a release or quote unquote, the farmed fish, the farmed salmon. Yeah, escaped. That makes me laugh,
0: and they make a run for it. I know. um, (laughs) Finding
1: Nemo, and she's like, "Escape!" (laughs) Oh, that sounds a lot like the word "escape."
0: (laughs) Uh, You quoted Finding Nemo last week, sorry, as well. Just gonna point that out.
1: (laughs) Apparently, that's just where my brain is right now. But yes, these escaped salmon get out, and they are literally like a different. They're not a different breed, but like they mature more rapidly, and so if they were to breed Mm -hmm. with the wild fish, it could cause like mass extinction essentially in the wild fish like the the offspring of those fish
0: yeah this just happened actually off the coast of iceland uh there was an article from just a couple weeks ago and they called it an environmental catastrophe that if the the salmon bred together the farmed and the wild the salmon will lose their ability to survive so it is a major issue and another i guess big concern people have when it goes to Farmed farm fish, yeah, and
1: people are taking it pretty seriously. The company was fined almost a million dollars, and the company's CEO, as well as several board members, could face up to two years in prison if they are found guilty of negligence. So, if there was any fault, like they're going to prison. So it's not, I don't know. Like I think sometimes you think about these big companies getting like a slap on the wrist. I kind of was like, whoa, that's a million dollars and two years in prison is not like chump change.
0: Well, and going back to a conversation you and I have a lot, um, obviously not about the fish industry, but about our industries. I mean, we always talk about like checks and balances in place, right? Like there are so many checks and balances in place to make sure people are doing a good job and doing the right thing. And I think this is just another example. Like in my mind, I wouldn't have really thought about like the checks and balances, the fines, the different things that are in place to make sure people who are farming salmon are doing it properly. And it's just, I think, a like a little you know highlight you can make to show that, whatever industry it is, when it comes to our food, despite a lot of the fear we have around it, there are checks and balances in place to assure that things are done properly.
1: Yeah. And there's also some like rating system for uh, seafood, which I think is important. The MCS rates organic and the Aquaculture Stewardship Council certified rates Atlantic salmon as green in its traffic light system. Most farmed salmon are rated amber, meaning they need improvement. So... You, I guess if you're looking for a ranking system, that MCS, uh, you know, is the company that is out there like ranking things, and they rank organic, and then the aqua, aqua oh my gosh, aquaculture stewardship council certified as green light.
0: Well, and we talked a little bit about when we dove into conspiracy um, because they wanted to call out a bunch of you know these I think great organizations that are trying to do a good job to bring better sustainability to to the seafood industry. And so I do think that those are things you can look for. And you mentioned MCS and I want to point them out because I feel like this is actually my big picture takeaway from this article is that the MCS, they quoted that neither the MCS nor the Marine Stewardship Council advocate a blank boycott. So they don't believe that like wild, you know, fish is always better and farm fish is always worse. It's not just like either or always. It's not black and white. And I think this goes to what you and I talk about all the time, which is like, there's a spectrum, right? There are people who are doing it good in both ends of the spectrum, wild caught and farmed. And there are probably people who could be doing it better in both wild caught and farmed. And so I think that needs to be applied to this case a little bit. Yeah. And there's definitely challenges. I don't think it like rubs me the wrong way that some of these chefs are like taking, I guess this like quote unquote stance Because I honestly, like, kind of love the idea of the diversity anyway. They talked about, like, substituting with trout and how, like, there's different cods that are, like, really good alternatives. And I guess I don't see why you have to, like, have salmon on the plate. And so I think if some of these higher-end restaurants, you know, these Michelin star restaurants want to bring some diversity and maybe step away from, like, you know, quote-unquote farmed salmon, I guess I don't know... If I see a huge issue that from that, from like the chef standpoint, I probably see an issue with it of maybe if they're like trying to portray the industry in a certain way. But I don't really have an issue with like the restaurant taking like, I guess, a stance. Do you? No,
1: I actually left this thinking I should eat a more variety of fish, which I do. Like I have lots of fish I like, but I think I'm going to start trying to order even some of the um, maybe lesser known fish. Like I will be the first to say like, I love seafood. And still, when I see a fish on the menu that I'm not super familiar with, I like take pause. And I think I'm going to try to be more proactive when I show up to a restaurant and be like, okay, like, what's it like? What, you know, what's its density like? What type of fish is it like? And venture out into deeper waters. (laughs)
0: Remember when we were in Florida and you kept trying to get everyone at the table to order the whole fish?
1: Oh, yeah. The Branzino? You're like, no, you'll really <laughs> yeah. like it. You'll love it. And you were like trying to convince everyone. And I sure as hell was not about to order it. Like the thought of ordering a whole <laughs> yeah. fish and having to like bone it and stuff is like the least thing I want to do. But I was like, oh my gosh, Luke, you're going to love it. Dan, why don't you and Luke mm-hmm. split it? Nobody took me up on that offer. No. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> yeah. So my last point, I guess, is a few statistics. Uh, more than 90% of Pacific salmon was wild caught, while almost all 99% of Atlantic salmon was farmed. And then most 77% of Pacific salmon was domestic salmon produced in the United States, while 94% of Atlantic salmon was imported. So... Our next sponsor is gonna be Good Ranchers, and we're gonna highlight obviously some of their fish options. And I just I actually found those statistics really interesting that like Pacific is more associated with wild, and Atlantic is more associated with farmed, and Pacific is more associated with domestic, so US, and Atlantic is more associated with imported. So with that, we are going to move on to our second article. But first, we are gonna thank one of our longtime sponsors, Good Ranchers. So we are officially in November, which means we are in the holiday season and This month means it's Black Friday time and Good Ranchers has an amazing Black Friday sale. It is literally the best time to subscribe and save. I always tell people like, wait for a good Good Ranchers sale and like jump on it. This is it. So change the way you buy meat for good and get a gift in every single box for your first year. So the way this works is customers get their choice of a free protein for a year and $15 off when they use our code DISCOVER, and you subscribe to any box. So what that means is that free protein, you get to choose between sirloin steaks, wild-caught, U.S. salmon, better than organic chicken, or applewood smoked bacon. And again, you're gonna go to goodranchers.com to be able to subscribe and save and use our code DISCOVER. That will be about a $500 savings when you subscribe and save, not including also free shipping and $15 off
0: your first box. Every time I hear a new Good Rancher's promotion, I'm like, I want to re-sign up. How do I re- <laughs> how to become a new
1: signee again? Yeah. I'm like, I want <laughs> how do I free salmon for a year in every single one of my boxes. How do I do that? They also have a new product, which I think is really cool is their gift boxes. So if you are looking for a gift for someone, you can do you can like literally gift America's best meat um, and be able to, you know, gift someone like for a holidays. I feel like that's such a good gift. I've actually been thinking about gifting it to my sister and her husband, who are like in San Francisco and can't get like, you know, meat ever. So, or affordable meat, I should say. So, I'm thinking about gifting them good ranchers. So, again, go to goodranchers.com to get American meat delivered and use our code DISCOVER.
0: All right, diving into the second article to DISCOVER this week headline Donna Kelsey says Travis and Jason could each finish off an entire chicken growing up exclusive if there's one person who knows what a meal of champions look like it's donna kelsey each one of them could finish a chicken donna kelsey told people of her then growing boys who would both ultimately become super bowl champions can i just say i love that this is like an exclusive (laughs) just cracks me up every time i see it exclusive
1: like as if they're like really like dishing the dirt on the like kelsey Mm -hmm. brothers yeah we've got the tea
0: we've got the milk on the kelsey brothers okay
1: my, i have multiple i i have so many trains of thoughts on this so my first one i think i want to say is like do we care what celebrities are eating now or when they were as children like it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the got milk campaigns where it was a celebrity that said like yay i love milk or there was like the britney spears one where she was like a little girl with a milk mustache and then she was like you know her now as with a milk mustache like it, that's that's what this
0: is giving to me and i'm like do we care do people care Yeah, I think to an extent, I think what's different now is that with social media, I feel like we have much more of an inside look at a lot of people's lives. And so it's kind of removed some of that like nuance or mystery that was there where before we did want to know like, Ooh, what are they eating? What do they do? Like we just didn't have that access we did now that social media obviously completely gives way to, but I still think that there are certain people in the limelight that you are just so curious about that. Yes, it is absolutely thrilling to know what they eat. Like it is interesting to know their backstories and have their mother talk about them at the dinner table. Um, I just, I think now it kind of depends on more who they are and like the the level of status maybe.
1: Yeah. And I think that gets me to my next point is like Donna Kelsey raised two very, very successful football players. And so it is very unique, right? Like I can't name, I can't name a football player, let alone a mom of a football player. But like Donna Kelsey is... Deal in the limelight. Like, we know about her. We know what she's putting on her dinner table. And that is like fascinating to me. That that is like the
0: level of faint. And here you were thinking you were doing the mostest by climbing the water park I slide. I am and just Donna sailing. Kelsey is out there raising two Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> Although uh, this is like tight, kind of jumping ahead in my notes. Um, I did appreciate her honesty with saying that when she was running from activity to activity and game to game that she drove through the drive through at a fast food restaurant more than she cared to admit. And I was like, I so appreciate that honesty as moms, I talk with so many moms who are like, I don't get home till eight o'clock at night. Like I'm lucky if I get a crock pot meal started. Like I'm lucky if I bring something on the go. And I was just like, I feel like sometimes we see celebrities and we put them on like such high regards. Like I just am glad to, I'm glad she said, I love to cook a home cooked meal. But in reality, sometimes that's not what happened for our family. And I just felt like moms everywhere, maybe like let go of some mom guilt. So
0: diving into this article, it was through people and it was actually in partnership with kind, like the kind, I think of the kind granola bars. I don't know if they have like other stuff too, but I think that's kind of why they were like on this food train with her. It makes sense. Like if it's a food partnership, they would kind of dive into food. And I first thought like whoever thought to reach out to mother Kelsey and get her as an influencer, someone is good at their job. She has her own line of kind bars and they sold out in 24
1: Ah. hours. Gone. Gone. That is so cool. Although, on the other like flip side of this, I think it's funny that she's promoting kind bars that are like a very like granola-based granola bar. And then she dives into the article about like how her kids ate chicken, gallons of milk, steak, mm-hmm. hamburgers, like it's all animal protein. But she's like, Yay, like go buy my kind bars. Something else when I was like reading this story. <laughs> I'm laughing because it kind of reminded me a little bit of Daniel's family. And let me just say, Daniel's family does not have any NFL like athletes. <laughs> Dan's at a knee brace, yeah. you guys. So. Daniel is not <laughs> out there playing football. I'll tell you that right now. But it just like just growing up in a household of boys. And so not to get back to the gender roles, but I would imagine you can relate to it some like, well, especially now as like Jackson Rue are getting older. Like I just remember going to Daniel's house and like the amount of food Janice had to have, my mother-in-law had to have on the table to like, feed six hungry boys was insane. And I know that Donna Kelsey only had two NFL players, but like imagine what they're eating. Like she must've had to cook so much food to fill them up. Like she said, and they would eat an entire chicken each and like gallons and gallons of milk.
0: Yeah. I thought one of the funny parts was she said that they like anything that was in the fridge was like basically game for anyone. She said, even if it put your name on it and put a rubber band around the carton, like she was talking about milk, It would be gone. gone. Like they just consumed, consumed, (laughs) consumed. I
1: mean, I love to see anybody
0: who is downing some gallon of milk. I'm not going to lie. I kept thinking like the way they were talking about milk that the Kelsey brothers and Mama Kelsey should do the next got Got milk um, campaign. It'd be perfect. No, they should bring it back. Revive it. With Uh the Kelsey brothers and the Discover Ag girlies. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. Uh, fun fact. I'll shift gears a little bit out of the article. Did you know that uh, Jason Farms ranches? No. I had no idea. Where? Yeah. Isn't he, like, in New he, Jersey? Yeah. Oh, he... Yeah, something well, like that. He, yeah. He's with the Eagles. But he... It's in Missouri, I believe. He talked about it... Uh, he's talked about it, like, maybe two or three times on their podcast, so it's not, like, super well-known. You'd have to, I think, be, like, avid listeners to probably pick up on it but he yeah he runs cattle i think he like probably like you know invests in it with someone uh, a partner that is like on the farm like ranching and working but he talked about how before he like went down for branding and he was like explaining the different terms to travis like a steer and like what they do at branding um and it was like obviously a really funny conversation between the two of them but it was also really cool just to hear like jason kind of like advocate for the industry and just like loving cowboy culture, essentially. Oh, my gosh. I love
1: that. I'm glad you found that little fact to bring to us. All right. Moving into our next sponsor, we want to thank Vote Silversmith. They are the iconic silver brand of American West. Since 1970, Vote Silversmith has been owned and managed by the members of the Vote family. And since then, they have created every single piece of silver in their factories in old Mexico. One thing we want to make note of is if you are going to be buying some Vote for someone special for Christmas, this is the week to get your custom order in now the deadline is November thirteenth, so make sure you get on their website. We're going to link it in the show notes directly to the custom order site, so that you can get that in before Christmas.
0: Ugh, oh, you guys, I just cannot say enough good things about the Vote brand. I have their belts, um, I have their earrings, and I have like created content and modeled like their bracelets and their rings, and so I, I've truly seen like almost every single product they have not every single product, but every um, individual like category of product they have. And across the board, it is so good. It is high quality. It is beautiful pieces. I just, every time I get a package, I want to keep it all. Like it's truly stunning stuff. If you are looking for a Christmas gift for a special someone, female or male, they have stuff for both. Um, I highly recommend checking out Vote, you guys. Use our code Discover. Pick out a piece that will truly last for everything. They have a lifetime warranty. um, And I just, I truly love the Vote brand. All right, getting into our last and final article to discover this week, titled, The Supreme Court Leaves in Place a Court Victory for PETA over North Carolina's ag-gag law. The Supreme Court has rejected North Carolina's appeal in a dispute with animal rights groups over a law aimed at preventing undercover employees at farms and other workplaces from taking documents or recording video.
1: So I think where I want to start with this is, I think this article is going to be really hard to cover. I've been stressed kind of about covering it, and I feel like it's just hard to talk about... I mean, the pretense of this is around animal abuse, right? And no farmer, no rancher wants to see animal abuse. And so to sit here and talk about it in a very like pragmatic way, I think is hard because I want to like strip the emotion from it and have like a really honest conversation. But that's like almost impossible to do. Like there's going to be emotion. Um, So I just like want to preface it, I think, with that. But maybe like before we get into it, give a little bit of background about what an ag law is
0: because... As I found out from you this week, you didn't really know what these were. No, I absolutely think that's like the perfect starting point um, because I didn't. I even asked Luke. I was like, hey, are you familiar with like ag gag laws? And he was like, well, I've heard of them, but I'm not like super familiar with them. So I think there are definitely different industry sectors that are more aware and familiar with ag gag laws. And then for obviously all of our non-ag listeners, shout out to our non-ag discos. Um, I think you guys for sure need background because I needed a background before I dove into this article. So at the very basis, it's against the law for people to try and gain access
1: or employment under false pretenses. Uh, These are only the... This law is only in place in 11 states. So this is not like nationwide. It's not an issue in every single state. Um, and we'll get into that more later. But it actually started in the 1990s because of people were actually bombing research centers. like They were considered acts of terrorism. And that is what kind of kicked this off, that you could not go in and terrorize a research center. And so that's what kind of started it. But then they came back up in the 2010s because of the quote-unquote undercover videos from activists. And the idea behind them is to protect farmers from people trying to gain access, like unlawfully. On the flip side, people obviously feel like they are anti whistleblower acts or anti whistleblower laws that people should be able, under the First Amendment, to go on and record something and be able to publish it no matter what, no matter what the pretenses are of them getting employment on those farms or facilities.
0: Yeah, there's definitely obviously going to be two sides to the story. There's going to be people who are adamantly against them and people who like want them in place and believe like wholeheartedly that, you know, there there should be a law and enforced.
1: Yeah. And I think on one side, kind of like the the farmer side of it which this may like depend on the farm too of how they feel about it right like the the people that are pro these ag gag laws feel like a lot of times when people take videos they can often be manipulated and even if they're not manipulated they can be put out there with like no explanation no context and then there's even more to it like I, I have seen a lot of like, quote unquote, undercover videos and how people, how activist groups use them to like push their agenda or to make money on donations and different things. They will take the same video and like flip the footage so that they can play the same exact five seconds, but make it 10 seconds. They will add, you know, noises or sounds. They will take like standard operating like a vet doing something that is literally like a medical procedure and then put it out there with no context saying like it was recorded as like animal abuse when that was not the case or like they have even gone as far as to manipulate workers whether that be paying them whether that be harassing them whether that be like um saying they'll like deport them if they you know are like an immigrant uh if they don't help them obtain these videos so That is one side of it. Like there is like unlawful things going on behind the scenes for getting these undercover videos.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think being in like cow calf, (laughs) you know, being a rancher in the middle of Nebraska, um, every time I see some of these films or, you know, when these things that are captured and gathered, you know, quote unquote, undercover. I always feel like I'm really torn, right? Because like you said, I feel like you always question, like, is there smoke and mirrors behind this? Like, what is the actual story going on behind this video? And as you prefaced in the beginning, there's also a part of you that's like, wait, is that real? Oh my gosh, my heart breaks. Like that person should absolutely be punished or reprimanded. Like if that is what's going on there, like I'm so glad this is caught and being addressed, right? And so I do think it's just a really... I don't know, complicated, hard thing, because as you mentioned, there are so many reasons that certain organizations would want to paint a certain picture.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's a really, really hard conversation. And that's why I started with that. Like, if there is animal abuse going on, we need to like root it out, find it out, and like get rid of bad actors within the ag industry, no matter what, like, Part of the sector they're from. At the same time, there are instances on the dairy and and not just in dairy, like in lots of different sectors where people can take a video of something and, like I said, paint it really bad. Like I have seen things where vets have been like, there is nothing, like that is how you were handled that situation, like that animal was sick or whatever. I do think that like these videos, just like you are taking one single snapshot from no matter what facility is, and then you are twisting it, taking it, and running with it in any direction you want with no context whatsoever. So some of the states that have these in place are some of the southern states, Alabama, Arkansas, and then Midwest states like Kansas, Missouri, Iowa is a big one. Um, Montana has one, which I kind of, again, not to pick on you because you're from Montana, but I actually remember when we were in Bozeman, I kind of was thinking, I wonder if they're going to have problems with activists out on ranches in the near future with how many people are moving like into the city of Bozeman and being in very close proximity to like working agriculture. And so I thought they were, that was just one that kind of flagged for me, like, oh, they have an ag gag law. Um, and then the one that's of issue in this article is actually North Carolina and North Carolina is the one that like went all the way up through appeals to the Supreme Court when the Supreme Court ultimately rejected the appeals um, dispute with the PETA group.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised when I saw which states actually had the ag-gag ag- laws. I don't. That's like a hard thing to say. What I saw you know, North Carolina specifically is larger for an industry for chicken. Um, it made sense. Like Iowa's number one for chicken. They're number one uh, like our top ranked for hogs. You know, like I, I could see why these different states have the different ag gag laws. Another piece of this is kind of like a modern twist that
1: I I think I knew about, but it was like actually like written out is like drones have also become an issue. Like whether you're allowed to fly a drone over some of these different farms and be able to capture something. And I think that opens up people in like a whole new way as well. Like you don't even have to be on site you can just fly a drone so even like maybe more rural areas um i even think if you're like a farm like as a person who's in dallas right now like i think about the farms that maybe aren't that far from dallas like how easy is that access and like then then adding the drone component as well it's
0: just kind of wild privacy comes to mind immediately when you think about some of these new situations what you can do with like social media like how you could put these out versus like how you used to so um I do think maybe there's like a shift in needing to like analyze these these ag-gag laws. And um, I don't know, it'll be interesting for North Carolina.
1: Yeah, I think uh, like two final things I'll say is in some cases, these laws are really similar to anti-trespassing laws. Like you cannot tell someone you're coming on their site for one reason and then do something different. So in some cases, there's not even really a need for this law. And so I think that's worth considering because I think sometimes they paint ag in a really bad light. And if you could just... Um, Accomplish the same goal with an anti trespassing law, then, like, maybe that would be good enough. And then, the final thing that I do, we haven't talked about that I do think is relevant, is sometimes activist groups will collect this data over days, weeks, as many as months, and sit on it, sit on this video, sit on this information. And I think that's a little problematic. Like, if you see animal abuse, you should, like, call it out immediately, right? Like, if your true concern is, like, animal welfare, then, like, shouldn't your concern be, like, submitting this information so that whoever is responsible should be, like, put out to the police? Um, And so I do think that is kind of, like, a problem, too. Like, is your, is your really agenda, like, animal welfare, or is your agenda, like, you know, getting clicks on a social media site or something. And so I don't, this is so hard. Like, I don't think there's, I don't know that I like come to the end of this conversation after researching it and being like, oh, I agree with ag-gag laws, or I don't agree with them. I think I fall somewhere in the middle that, like animal abuse is never okay. At the same time, like going out of your way to record something to get like clicks about animal welfare or animal abuse is also not okay. So I like, I don't know if I have a nice tidy bow that I can like wrap around this article.
0: Actually, I think you did a very good job summing it up because I do think that that is actually kind of the same perspective I have with it as well. I just don't think this is a black or white issue. And I think anyone who tries to put it into like a black or white issue and make it very clean and like this versus that or right versus wrong, um, I think you're looking at it from probably the wrong perspective or you're not looking at it even in its entirety either.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's been interesting. I think we came into this with different perspectives on this law um, or this conversation, um, especially just because of our industry differences. And at the end, maybe came to the same spot that it's like it's just not that simple to say like it's a yes or a no for either of us.
0: All right, you guys, that's all we have this week for you. Thank you so much for discovering with us. If you enjoyed the episode today, please take a moment um, to rate us in your app, leave us a review um, and share us to social channels. Help get the word out about uh, the Discover Ag podcast so we can welcome more discos into our community.
1: This has been a 58 Ember production.